What's up, guys? Welcome back to the ENG Pot of Thunder with your boy, Young Denzel, and with my co-host. What's poppin' with a do is G. And we're here with current football referee, former football coach, former casino boss in the flesh, former DJ, <laughs> former Patriots ball boy. This guy has done everything in life. He has stories <laughs> on stories. We're going to have quite a podcast for you. My guy, Tom Camello. How are you? Yeah, What's going for, on, guys? Thanks for coming, Tom. Tom, Yes. let me get this question out of the way. I know you were a ref for, uh, for football. Yeah. Have you ever slapped a parent? <laughs> Have I wanted to or actually slapped a parent <laughs> is the question. But uh, I've never slapped a parent, but, uh, but I've wanted to, put yeah. it that way. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I bet I used to coach um, uh, soccer for kids. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, I transitioned into being a ref as well. And um, some of the parents are just nasty. Yeah, it's a, you, but when you're actually out there, you're kind of focused on the game. You don't really, you, you block it out, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, so what's worse, football parents or football coaches? Because you got both sides <laughs> of it. You do get both spot, sides. And, and the spot that I'm at as a referee, I'm a, what's a line judge. So I'm, I have the home, the home side and I have the, the sideline. So I get the coaches in the air all the time. So, uh, but it's, yeah, it doesn't bother me. You let, it's, part, it's part of the game. I, it's part of the right? game. It's you treat the them game. with respect. They'll treat you with respect. It's all. It's all good. It's all so, good. So it sounds like football parents are probably worse. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Football parents are worse. And you've seen it all because your kids have grown up there in college now playing football. Yep. So where do you think is worse at high school parents or middle school parents or elementary school? Papa Warner. Uh, Papa Warner. Papa Warner. By far, by far, because they're they they. I don't know what it is the the younger the 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 kid the football player. The louder the the mouth of the parent for some reason. You mean like size wise, or you mean age wise? Oh, I'm I'm talking about age wise. Age so the wise. young, young, yeah, the younger the the football player, it's generally younger parents on top of it. So they're more vocal. You know, they think they know everything. They think they know the rules, and it's uh, you know, they're always <laughs> they're they're always trying to uh, give you their opinion. So, all right, we got a scenario here. I got my kid on your team. He's a bench player. I'm coming up to you, Tom. Man, why isn't my kid playing? He's the next. He's the next Danian Thompson. He's the next Tom Brady. Why don't you see this? What are you saying to him? Well, I got well. I, that's putting my coach's hat back on, my youth coach's hat. And I always, I always had a meeting at the very, very first practice of every season with the parents. And I said, I set them straight. I, I say, you know, your kids' playing time is based on their performance in practice. There's no favoritism. Everybody starts off fresh. It's, it's how the effort that are given in practice will translate to how much time they get on the field. And I made it very, very clear from the very beginning, and I never had a problem. Do you think that is because you did coach in Johnston? Yeah. Do you think you'd have more of an issue, say, in the inner city, opposed to like Providence, Pawtucket, you know, Cowboys? Do you think those parents are just more lenient because just, you know, the kids you're dealing with opposed to those inner city? I mean, it's tough to say because, you know, I've never coached in the inner city, so I don't know the, you know, what the parents are like there, yeah. but I, you know, based on what I've I've experienced, as long as you set them straight at the very, very beginning from the outset, you don't come into that "why isn't my kid playing" conversation because you've already set the expectations right away at the very, very first practice, so you, they already know why. So, and have you ever ranted any issues? Because I'm not sure if, like you know, those watching, he did also coach his kids, his twins. So, do you ever think it was an issue where your kids, because they were probably, you know, I know. The Panthers, they were probably the best kids in the team. So did you think you ran into issues where people think you were playing favoritism? 
Uh, I don't think so because they're, I mean, there's been times, there was one season, our best season back in 2014, where my son was the quarterback and the 2014 season, I moved him to running back because there was a better, I wouldn't say, I'd say, you know, a kid that wanted to play quarterback and it made the, the team better by moving my kid to running back and letting him be the quarterback. And his, his, uh, <laughs> it's Zach Laverne, as a matter <laughs> yeah. of fact. So his father was really, really concerned about, uh, you know, his playing time and everything. I'm like, I'll do what's best for the team. I'll put him at running at quarterback. I'll put Zach at running back and I'll put Tom at, at, uh, I mean, Zach at quarterback and Tom at running back to make the team better. And it worked out great. I mean, we were one game away from going to Florida to play for a national championship. That would have been nice. Mm-hmm. That would have been nice. I mean, was so that was even an issue for you at all. Like you're strictly football on the field. How how does that um how would you do you navigate that during that time period? Do you think it's hard at all having your your kids play for you? Like, is it tough being how do you differentiate being a parent and a coach? Not a lot of people can do that. Some people play favoritism. I've been on plenty of teams with my brother and where we've mm-hmm. left because they were parent coaches. And they were just playing their kid, even though, yeah, sure, they might have been okay. But then it's him the ball 30 times a game, 40 times a game of Hop Warner. You know there's coaches like that, teams like that. Yeah, and They're I've just seen giving, it. Feeding their kid, feeding their kid. I, I've seen it. and But um, I, as, as, as the coach of the team, and my philosophy was always to do what's best for the team. So, like in that example I just said, it was best for the team to move my kid to running back and not, not be a quarterback that year because we were stronger as a team. So... And, and I have seen it where you've had, you know, daddy coaches with their, their kids playing favoritism. I didn't feel I did it. I, I feel that my kids were, were worthy of it. Oh, and they would sure. get what they would get based on their talents and based on their effort that they gave during practice, just like any other kid. So that's, that's the way I handled it, and it worked out well. I was a very, very successful youth coach. Don't they ever come back, though, where they're like, come on, Dad, why, why are you moving me in that situation? Tom come in like, Dad, why are you doing that for? Like, <laughs> No, he understood. He understood, and and I'm I've always set the expectation as it's a team game, and regardless of you know how good you are or, or I'm doing what's best for the team because I'm the coach, I'm the head coach of the team, so I got to do what's best for the team regardless of your personal opinions. But he was on board with it, and he understood it, and he was good with it. I, th- I think that's setting a good example for your kids too. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't no favoritism. You know they're not going to go into any type of like school sports spoiled or anything like that. So. No, because life isn't like that. Life exactly. is life is hard, and and you're not gonna it, things aren't always gonna go your way. So you need to learn that at an early age. So when you get into the real world, exactly, and, yeah. and, and you get those expectations mm-hmm. where you know I I may not be the best guy, somebody else may be better, but I have to prove myself in order to get to that top spot. Absolutely. So hopefully yeah. I taught that to them as a, as, sure. you know, as a young man, <laughs> young men. Yeah. My my father was my coach growing up when I played soccer. Mm-hmm. Oh man, we would just fight all the time. I was like, leave me alone, Dad. It's opposite of Tom and his kids. Oh yeah, absolutely. But my father was doing the same thing that Tom was doing. He was just being like reasonable. He was being yeah. smart. He was telling me how it is, and I was just like, no, absolutely not. So, so you were the one that was making it difficult. Yes, not absolutely. looking back on it. Hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, don't, don't get me wrong. T- uh, Tom, who was a quarterback for most of the youth season, except for that one season that I mentioned. He, he, him and I would always battle back and forth. Oh, really? why, did, why, why did you call that play? You know, you, you, know, you should have called something else. But, you know, <laughs> him and I would, would always go back and forth a little bit about it. So he, gotcha. had, he was opinionated, too. <laughs> but he, he always called what I, you know, what yeah. I had. He didn't, we wouldn't, like, change the play or anything like if that. not, but. hit the bench. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey I'd, I'd bench him just like I, I would anybody else that didn't listen to a coach. It didn't Absolutely. matter that they were my kid. But I was tougher on them than I was 
on others. Looking just, back on it, do you do you wish you would have changed that, or do you? I don't regret anything I did as a as a coach. Honestly, I, I you know we were very successful. We you know it was a great experience for all kids. You know I just had a kid you know uh, going to the Marines that I I I um recruited back in fifth grade and you know i i kind of mentored that kid not only as a coach but after you know i was no longer a coach i mentored mentored that kid and make sure to send him on the right path shout out to lee ray um who who just went and just uh signed up for the marines Good for so him. he's um you know that and he gave me a lot of credit on facebook too uh for doing that and uh, so I've, I treat him like I treat any one of my players. I saw two of my players last night, <laughs> Buffalo right. Wild Wings. Oh, yeah, nice. yeah, one of my stars too, Justin Powell and uh, Tom Colombo, but both guys that uh, you know they had thanked me again for for the experience that I gave them, uh, you know, and youth and and taught them life lessons, and that was so rewarding just to hear last night, literally last yeah, night. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Isn't that crazy how like sports is like it's more than sports. It brings you like the family atmosphere. Once you go like kind of war with someone like on the field and battle, and um, does it for you being a coach? Does it get more than being like their coach? Like, do you feel like the father figure for some people? I do, and and Lee Ray was a, was a perfect example of it. Where I felt, you know, inclined to make sure he's on the right path. I brought him to workouts. Him and I worked out together and stuff. Uh, you know, talking to him on the phone and stuff like that, trying to guide him a little bit because he had a, a kind of a tough tough uh, childhood himself so yeah I, I wanted to some guys i wanted to be more uh, like a father figure not just a coach too and he's one of them no that's awesome because like mm -hmm. you know after school those coaches you know when your parents aren't around you know they are like your mentors yeah they they you know they set you straight you know they're there to listen they're there to have you know just just be a friend when you be an ear to speak to when you need it absolutely very rewarding Getting back to like maybe on like on your end, like you growing up, did you have anybody like that in your life you can look up to or you know shout out? Yeah, like I played I played uh, football as a, in youth uh, for a few years. My dad was one of the assistant coaches. So Were you I the next Danny Thomason? No, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even close to as good as my boys are. Uh, you know, I was most improved player, but I I played youth in uh, football in Virginia. Oh, that, yeah, missing big boys out there. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of competition out there, and it was uh, we literally had what. What we would have in the state of Rhode Island, we had it in our own little city. District. Yeah, we had like twelve teams at wow. youth football yeah. in our in our city, let alone the whole state, like, yeah, like you sure. have here in Rhode Island. But uh, it's crazy. Yes, Dad. So, like, I mean, get a little bit more detail on that. Like, was it someone like were you ever going through anything or, like helped you get over to like next step, or were you ever like battling anything you needed help with? No, it, you know, when I when I was in my youth years, uh, you know, I, I played youth for like three or four years, and then I played in high school. But uh, when I, we moved back to, to to Rhode Island, I played at Smithfield High School, so we weren't very good. <laughs> we, we were we were uh, never been good. Yeah, senior, yeah, senior year we won two games, homecoming and Thanksgiving, and that was it. But uh, <laughs> but but no, um, you know, like I said, my dad was one of my coaches in youth, and you know, he helped me along and. And I kind of want to do the same for my kids as he did for me. So I wanted to coach and be involved in their lives. And that's what I did at, at uh, you know, at six, six years old, I, I got him into yeah. flag football and, uh, and coached him all the way through eighth grade. So yeah. I wanted to do it because my dad did it for me. Not for know? sure. I mean, do you miss that at all? That, uh, that bond, like going to practice, coaching your kids, going to all your practices? Yeah, it, it does go by fast. You know, um, I do miss it. But now as a referee, um, I kind of like what I do now because now I don't have to go through the grind of all week to get to the game. 
I just go to the game and show up <laughs> and get paid now. Yeah. So, it's, mm-hmm. you know, before I volunteered, you know, thousands and thousands of hours. I was also the vice president of the league, too. Oh, so yeah. I had a lot of administrative stuff on the other end of it, not just coaching. So, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. I, I had a ball during those years, literally from 2009 to 2015. It was, uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. That's, that's good to hear. That's yep. awesome. And you also um, you also mentioned earlier to me off cam that yep. you worked in the casino industry, right? I did. Yeah, I did. Right out of uh, I graduated Roger Williams back in. I'm probably your oldest guest too, by the way. <laughs> so, uh, far, so far, so far, so far. Tom Marty Bird. Yeah. On, on cam, the so Ozark I, mob boss. Yeah. Well, I, I back in '92, I, I graduated Roger Williams, and then ten days after graduation, I moved out to Las Vegas. I wanted to get in the casino business. So I, I wait. So stop there. So you you graduated. Do you have a plan in place, or were you just like, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it was basically. I I decided, you know, in uh, spring semester of my senior year, you know, I'm either going to get into the finance industry or get my Series Seven or go into the casino business. And I said, ah, what the hell? <laughs> Why not? I'm not stupid. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it now. So yeah. I drove out to. Uh, out to Las Vegas with what now is my wife. Oh, nice. Um, we moved out there together, and uh, and and I got it. I, I started at, with a with a big education, big diploma from Roger Williams University. I went out there. I couldn't couldn't get a job because everything is who you know out there. So I was working at the pool shop at the Excalibur Hotel, <laughs> selling rafts at six at seven fifty an hour after, with a high school like, education. So my parents was not too thrilled <laughs> about that. So. So the guy that, um, I, on my breaks, I used to go up in the casino. And I used to go to the craps table. I used to watch these guys. and watch these guys. I'm like, man, that's so cool. That, that's, you know, and I asked the guy, I said, hey, how does one become a, a dealer in, in this town? He's like, oh, well, you could pay thousands of dollars and go to one of these private schools. Or you can go take the classic community, community college of Southern Nevada. You know, it was like a $150 course. Oh, go through nice. that and become a dealer that way. I'm like, oh, cool. I'll do that, right? So I did it. I, I took the course and stuff, and then I wound up um, auditioning for uh, at, at a local casino outside. Uh, Wait, so you, you have to audition? You have to, to audition? You have to audition. Yes, you do. Wait, so what's that entail? Like, do you need that, to like show some personality or something like that? No, or? it's not like a it's not like a you know <laughs> a comedic audition, like, yeah. right? So no, it was where you because I was I went to school for a craps dealer. I had to go and I act, act you know had to actually physically deal the game of craps. So everything is a, a procedure and how to do it where people you know, stand and stuff where the chips are placed is all in relative to their position on, on the table and stuff. So you actually have to go through that and go through each position on the craps table and physically do the job and, and see how, and the audition means if, if you pass it, they'll offer you a job. If you don't, then see you later. <laughs> you know, basically. All these people at every casino, they're all doing auditions? Yeah, they do auditions before oh, wow. before they get their first job. So it's like a kind of like a skills test. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yep, and, and how much you know and how much there. And, uh, you know, I started out at a little little casino out in uh, Henderson, Nevada, um, right outside of Las Vegas, and uh, I got that job. So I started dealing craps. So you're and, like, Mom, hop off my back. Yeah, exactly. Like, I got the job. At that, at that point, it's like, uh, you know, anything to get out of the 7.50 an hour oh, uh, sure. pool shop at the Excalibur Hotel. But, um, yeah, so I got on, and I started uh, dealing craps, and then from there um, – they, they encourage you to learn other positions. So I, I, I learned how to deal blackjack. I learned how to deal roulette, Caribbean stud, all those, all those games. And they happened to be opening a new casino. So I, I did that for a while. 
and they were opening a new casino. So they, they moved me over to the new casino and pr promoted me as a, a, what's called a box man and a floor supervisor. The box man was the guy in the suit that sits at the craps table watching the dealers make sure they do their job. They do it right. They do it like, right. And they're and the customers right. are doing like what they're supposed to be Correct. doing. Nobody's stealing. Nobody's stealing. Everybody's doing it right. Yeah. You know? And then I'd be a floor supervisor, and which means I would be in charge of, of the pit of the area of table games. And then I would do that. Um, and then if the shift manager was, a, was to take a day off or something like that, I'd be a relief shift manager. So I'd be in charge of the entire casino on my shift. And this was a small casino to start with. Uh, Boyd Gaming Corporation, which now they're one of the largest. They have like 30-some-odd casinos throughout the country right now. But uh, but I started doing that, and then I got promoted again and went to a, a bigger casino in Las Vegas, Sam's Town Casino. Is that still there? What's, oh, yeah. Is yeah, it's there? still there. And uh, it, it's off. It's on the Boulder Highway. Oh. You, have, you have buddies over there still? What's that? I, ha I have people in the industry, uh, okay. but not at that particular one. You sound like a boss. I have people in the industry. <laughs> in the industry, yeah. It is a small industry for the most part. But, uh, but yeah, so I got promoted there, and then I, then I moved out. I got promoted again and moved out to Kansas City. And we opened a riverboat out there back in 1995, so they promoted me to a pit boss. So I was wow. actually a pit boss on there and a relief that's, casino that's a cool, shift manager. Like, uh, headliner on LinkedIn. Yeah, <laughs> pit boss. Pit boss. <laughs> if you ever wonder, like want to know with casino the movie casino they do a good job at one thing they go through um i don't know if you remember the the scene in casino where they said well the uh, the dealers are watching the players yep, yep. the boxman's watching the dealers the floor supervisor's watching the boxman the pit boss is watching the the floor supervisors the casino shift manager is watching the pit bosses and the casino manager is watching the uh, the casino shift managers, and the eye in the sky are watching everybody. That is accurate. Tom's like deja vu. I remember this. That, yeah, that that is completely accurate. So it's like a chain of command. Yeah, exactly. Is, yeah. Exactly. So I, I was open for Riverboat Kansas City, and then I got then that closed, and I went out to Mississippi and uh, became a shift manager, full time shift manager there. Was promoted there, and uh, I was in Tunica, Mississippi, and then uh, Indiana. Uh, as well too. So I worked for Boyd Gaming Corporation and I was pretty much in charge of the casino on my shift. As a casino shift manager, you're in charge of the entire casino. I'm talking not just the table games, I'm talking slots, security, food and beverage, hotel, everything. That sounds like you don't go to sleep. No, no, like on your, no, in, in, and if you have the graveyard shift, or or the what they call the swing shift, the night shift. The worst shift. The worst, yeah. Um, is it the, the worst shift? Is it like the busiest shift too? The, the swing shift, the night shift is, but it, it's like the, the graveyard shift is considered like three in the morning till like 11 in the morning. But during that nighttime and, and, and that the, when the assistant general manager and general manager are off property, you're it, you're the guy. So I was the guy that cut people off from drinking. I was the guy that would throw people out of the casino. Oh. I would be the guy that would be in charge so, if somebody was counting cards or, so, or stealing or anything like that. Yep. Tom, you seem like such a nice guy. <laughs> but I'm, I'm assuming you don't fuck around. No, no. <laughs> You're ev everyone's worst enemy. You're like, fuck, <laughs> he's coming around. Leave. <laughs> it's a funny story. You know, one, one of the, uh, and this is probably my best casino story, is oh, uh, I was out at, at, at Silver Star Casino out in Philadelphia, Mississippi, middle of nowhere, Indian Reservation, but we were in charge of running it. And we had a 36-hole golf course. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. 36, out the, huh? Out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, we had a lot of celebrities come through, so um, so Mike Ditka was coming in. And now this is the time that um, that he was the head coach of New Orleans Saints. Remember they traded the whole damn draft for Ricky for Williams. Williams yep. They negotiated Ricky Williams' contract in our casino. That's that's cool. That time, so he's there. Him and all his buddies are there, right? So I greet him. 
So he comes in this limousine, he comes in and, and I greet him and stuff and I set him up, you know, set him up. He wants his own private craps table with him and his buddies. Uh, he goes to eat at the gourmet steakhouse. So I go sit with him at the gourmet, gourmet steakhouse. He wants to talk. He doesn't want to talk about football. He wants to talk about gambling. He's, he just <laughs> loved gambling. His mother still went to uh, uh, junkets in Atlantic City. He just wanted to talk about gambling. So I met him, you know, you know, had a, you know, had some rapport with him at dinner. And then it was time for him to go gamble with his buddies. So he had a $50,000 line of credit. So is that a lot? What's that? Like him? Is that a lot? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a good amount. So, so we set him up with all ropes around the, the craps table and he's drinking wine and he's having a good old time and, and he starts losing and, oh boy. and he starts losing. He loses his $50,000 line, line of credit. So we had the authority to go up to double. So he keeps taking another 10, another 20 grand out, another 30 grand out. So he's, He's at $100,000. Now he's losing and losing and losing at this craps table. This is about one in the morning right now. And uh, so he's at $100,000. Now Iron Mike Ditka doesn't, is, is drunk. <laughs> he's, not, he's not happy. He's losing money. And he's just, he, he's, out, he's out of it. He's out of his mind. So it, it's, it's $100,000. I can't give him another dollar to his credit line. So I have to call my general manager, wake him up in the middle of the night. I'm like, he's home. Oh, he's home. Yeah, I wake him out of his sleep, and I said, uh, um, "You know, Dick is at a hundred thousand. What do you want me to do? You know, do you want me to give him more? What, what do you want?" He's like, "No, cut him off at a hundred grand." I'm like, "Oh my god!" I'm like, <laughs> "All his chips. There's he's got nothing in the rack. All his money, basically, chips are on the on the yeah, table. Too. So the the uh, his buddy, if his buddy rolls a seven and seven out, and he collect, he's done. He's gonna come to me and say." All right, give me another twenty grand or what have you, and I got to tell Iron Mike Ditka, who's drunk, who's belligerent right now. I got to tell him, oh, sorry, you're you're cut off, <laughs> you're yeah, done, yeah. right? I'm like, oh god, right? So, so you're nervous at this. point. Oh, I'm very nervous right, at this point. So, uh, <laughs> so his buddy, his buddy goes on a forty-five minute roll. Not only does Mike get his fifty thousand back, he he gets a hundred. He cashes out. At 120,000. Oh my God. He pays off his $100,000 marker that, that he's out and he gets another another 20 grand and he's happy as a clam after that. You know? Well, it's the odds of that. Like, it's always the rich people that make out. <laughs> I go that, I would have lost everything. They would have exactly. took my house. It's funny because exactly. he's, he's probably telling this story too. He's, <laughs> he's probably telling the same thing. I came back. I came back. <laughs> but yeah, and, and so, so he was the head coach of the Saints at the time. So they negotiated Ricky Williams' contract that during that trip he was there. Uh, um, you know, up, up in uh, up in one of the suites and stuff, and then that's negotiated crazy. his contract right there. So it was crazy. That was one of my. That was, I think that's my best casino story. I give you. That's you always think like these football deals are happening like in office football offices. They're happening in uh, casinos. Yep. No, but, business happens like in casual settings. I feel like absolutely it does. Right. It can happen on a golf course. It can happen anywhere. So exactly. But uh, but yeah, he's a Dick is a he was a fun gambler and, and he so loved golf. If they would have lost, if he would have lost. You're turning into Robert De Niro. <laughs> yeah. gotta... Exactly. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. So what do you like? Say I'm losing. What do you say? I'm I'm like Disco. What would you say? To me? You're saying like, all right, you got to you got to get the fuck out of here. No, no. I'd, I'd say you know basically. Sorry, Mike. I you know I I checked with my general manager. I can't. We can't extend no more credit for you. You know. Sorry about that. You know? And he guess Rowdy. You're just calling security. Yeah. I mean, you treat him with respect. I mean, you do the best you can. I mean, hoping I've, they'd understand at that yeah. point. It's like. Yeah, especially at that casino, you know, it's so funny. I've had I've had high rollers and stuff that you, you know, you know all the high rollers because of my position. You know all the high rollers and stuff, and that, there's 
been guys that are super, super nice, man. But you get drinking and you get losing money. You kind of brings out the worst in people. Yeah. And so uh, I've been, I've been MF. I've been, uh, you know, and it's, you know, I, you take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. You know, it's like I've had, I've had customers that you know, motherfucked me. You know, mm-hmm. you know, screaming at me, swearing at me, and then the next morning they come up. To me, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I know I was drunk last night. Yeah, know? yeah. So <laughs> you, you kind of understand stuff. it at that point. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah. It happens, but yeah. Has anything ever happened where it's come to like blows or they try to fight you? Uh, there's, there's been times, yeah. Like I said, with security at a different casino up in Tunica, Mississippi, there's been times where, where, yeah, I dragged a guy out of his car cause he was about ready to, to, because he was drunk and he was about ready to drive it through the hotel. Oh so, shit. Yeah. It's normally, I don't, <laughs> I let security handle that, but at the time I was, you were there, I was there and I was closest to the guy so i ripped him out of his i ripped oh, him out of, his, had to. out of his out of his uh out of the driver's side because he was going to hurt somebody so that's crazy yeah it's yeah it's it's casino business can be crazy <laughs> it can so have you ever have you gotten to gambling yourself are you uh, <laughs> I, I used to be into it um living in vegas and stuff and i you know at that time at that that point and you know back in the early 90s you could gamble on your breaks like you could be a dealer and you know, because every hour you get a twenty-minute break, you can actually go up and start playing the slot machine for your break, and then they go back back in the day. Now you can't do that anymore. But, mm-hmm. but. Wait, so why can't I, I'm like the biggest novice of gambling? I've never got into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you the story of why. I went to Vegas on my twenty-first. I was like, all right, let me do blackjack. I played the twenty-five dollar hand. I lost a hundred bucks, not even exaggerating, like under a minute. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> Never doing this ever again. Kicking the nuts, Never doing this ever again. I'm like, this is absurd. Like, yeah. why do people like this? And then, I'm not, I'm not sure if you remember this year. I think it's probably like when the Twins were like seventh grade. The Patriots opened up against the Titans. Do you remember this? Like season opener. Mm-hmm. And they were like given six to the Titans. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is the easiest bet of all time. And I'm not even a Patriot fan. I'm like, right. I'm betting on the Patriots. Mm-hmm. I bet like 500 bucks. I won. I'm like, this is so easy. Right. Next now week, you're an expert. Now you're oh, Jimmy the Greek. This is so easy. <laughs> Next week, bet like seven games. Yeah. Lost them all. I'm like, wow. I'm done. I'm literally I'm done. That and the casino in the Vegas, I've never done it again. I'm yeah. like, I don't I can't do it. Yeah, I've seen I and the sad part is I've seen people um, you know, lose a lot of money in, in, over a series of time. And and we used to we have had the ability to cut somebody off from gambling. You know, like completely, like, they can't completely. They come in. You're like, yeah, you, completely. Yeah, you, you could, you could. I think you could ban yourself from the casino. You can right? ban yourself, but really, but yeah, but we could, we could tell her. You know, at the time, yeah. and, and with my position, I could say, you know what, you know, you're done. But the casino is so big. How can you even tell? In um, in Twin River, they have facial recognition. Okay, well, how about back in the day? They didn't have that back in the back day. in the day. That you know, the the pits that the, the the amount of table games we had probably the max. It's probably that place in casino in Mississippi I was telling you about. We met, I think we had 125 tables. You know, you can tell with people. You know, they, they know if there somebody's excluded. You get a, you had a picture of the guy. You know, and yeah. There, there's way to ways to do it. There's but, a reason. But now you're that. right. Now with facial recognition and everything else, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot easier now with technology. I have a buddy who um who banned him. He you know he was in the hole. He you know he did like the responsible thing. I guess he banned himself in the casino, mm-hmm. which you know it probably takes a lot to do that, right? And um. He went to the casino for to watch like an event, like a fight. They're like, hey, buddy, you gotta get out of here. Yeah, well, you can't even go in for events or anything. I, I, I mean, no, I if guess you ban yourself. You that means the casino. Oh shit! Yeah, yes. not not just playing. It, you know, it's the casino. So. Yeah. So he's like, oh, I just want to see this fight. But I mean, it's it's yeah. smart because maybe the temptations that you get a couple yeah. of drinks and you know you're you're back in there. But Tom, what 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 is it about gambling? Do you think you know from your experience? Do you think it's 
you get addicted to winning or, or the embarrassment of losing? No, I, I think that you get a little taste of you get a little taste of winning, and you think you can do it all the time. Oh, like me, like that it, one week. Yeah, I'm exactly. Like, oh, this is so easy. Let me bet a thousand dollars next week. Blues. Yeah, it, it, you know, my first experience with gambling was, was my grandfather took me to what is now Twin River, but used to be Lincoln Greyhound Park, and I hit a I hit a Quinella, the first first bet I ever made at what, ten. What's, what's that? That's that's betting the 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 two the, the first dog and the second dog. Okay. In in either order. Uh, How old are you? I was ten. At the oh, okay. Time. And that kind of, that kind of, it was my first bet I ever made. <laughs> but of course, he made my grandfather made the bet yeah. for me. But but uh, and you you know once you win, you think, oh man, this is like you said, oh this is easy, I yeah, can do yeah. it. And now it's so readily available. You pick up your phone. Let's see, let's see, I can bet Villanova right now, live bet. Yeah. It makes it so easy uh, to gamble now. It's it's you know it, it's good and bad as long as you have your limits and you know. You don't, you don't overdo it. I, I, I don't know what it is. I've just never been into like gambling at all. Like I, I, I just, I feel like I work hard for my money. I, so, and some people are like that. They're like, I don't want to throw it away, you know? And literally like you did, you yeah, could throw yeah. it away in, in, in two minutes, be down a hundred bucks and be like, wow, you know what I did to earn that hundred dollars? I'm saying, even if it's you know? like nine out of 10 times, you're sure to win. I just, I guess I have like trust issues, but I'm just like, mm -hmm. no, like I, I don't. To me, it doesn't like make me feel good. Just if to, you like, take it, it up to if you take it for entertainment, like if you go to a casino with five hundred bucks, say, yeah. you know what? If I lose it, yeah, I don't care. You exactly. Know? That's I want to go. Yeah. I want to go have a good time. If I win, great. If I don't, I get it. But for people to go there that needs to win, that's a problem. That's yeah. If you, you go for entertainment purposes or something like that, it's cool. It's a great. You know, I I, I like it. You know, I've been burned by it. I think I've lost more than I've won in my lifetime. So, you know, even as educated as I am, and I know how to count cards, and I know that I've still lost. You know how to count cards? Yeah. By yourself? Or do you need somebody else to like kind of help you out with that? You can no. do it by yourself. Oh yeah. I, I was I was as part of my job. I was part of my job was to identify card counters. You're oh, never, so, you're so never I, invited over for a casino night. That's, <laughs> uh, that's all right. And, you know, it really didn't help me out in real life, but I was at least able to identify it. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, that was part of my job was I had to identify Damn, cards. So yeah. you said you're, you're recruiting kids, you're counting cards. Tom's a, he is a mob boss over here. <laughs> yeah. I, we don't want to talk about more than this. <laughs> no, that's crazy. I mean, I, I don't even know how, I don't know how to count cards. I don't know anything about it. It's never intrigued me. Like, I don't even want to go to the casino sometimes. Like I have friends. I'm like, he's like, Oh, do you want to come with me to turn river and just hang out with me? I'm like, no. Because then I don't be that one night, I'm like, oh, let's just start blackjack, and then I'm addicted. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, is that easy? Yeah, it is that easy. And especially, I, with, like I said, with sports betting and everything online, and you can do it from your phone and your computer nowadays. It's like, man, you got to really be yeah, careful nowadays. For the Super Bowl, I, I almost bet, first time since that day, I'm like, oh, Cooper Cup, 95 over and under for his yards? I'm like, that's all day. Mm -hmm. I missed the time slot. Thank God, because I would have lost. Because yeah. he only got like 77. <laughs> I see that like, and I, in my head, I'm like, 95 Cooper Cup? Why yeah, the, the more confident you are, the more chance you're going to lose. <laughs> it seems like. It's just, you know, human the, nature. I don't you, know. You know what the cool thing about casinos is, I feel like? I feel like it's still cool that you can smoke inside. What's that? Yeah. You can smoke inside. Because you could like enjoy a cigar, you know, a glass of whiskey inside. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I think, I think that's the only cool I hated it as a dealer, by the yeah. way. Oh. Because then you get the, then you get the, you're like, Picture you're dealing blackjack and you're you're knocking the hell out of somebody and here comes the smoke. 
Right in your, yeah. right in your face. <laughs> yeah. Did that happen you know, a lot? You know they're doing it on purpose. <laughs> yeah. you know, but, you know, it, it happens. That's that's the downside of it. But yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yet, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. It's probably some ass. That's happened that before. <laughs> yeah. Speaking from experience. But. Oh, man. I, I got to get to the casino. <laughs> oh, this out. casino talk. Now you want to go. <laughs> you going to Twin River. <laughs> no, not a big casino guy, but I, I you know, may, maybe, you know, I'll check it out, but. Definitely so, not a big on losing. You know, for sure. So you said that your now wife went with you out to Vegas to yep. start off. And you said you're, you know, you're working the pool place at first. You're going through the struggle. Um, so what was like her mindset? Like, did you feel like, did she have your back the entire time? And then like that make you. Well, it was a, more? well that's a whole long story. Long story. She only, she only stayed out there for six months and then she moved to Florida, back to Florida. She worked for Disney and when oh, she was cool. in college on their, on their uh, internship program. And then she went to uh and then we wind up getting back together uh three years later so oh wow look at that yeah love brings you back that's it <laughs> he, a few a times big, he's a big sucker for a love story oh man so. love rom-coms man <laughs> there uh, you go. cry every time yeah so uh, yeah. wait so how'd you guys uh how'd you guys link back up like you just back in the day i mean you give her a phone call out of nowhere I'm yeah no we, no we stayed in, in contact uh we stayed in contact and then after a couple years we uh I went down to Florida to visit her and kind of rekindle the romance. And, and guys, she, welcome back to the yeah. EG Pot of Love with our guy <laughs> Big T, the uh, romantic love story that makes G happy. Yeah, that's it. Let's hear it, Tom. And, and uh, yeah, so and, and we moved her back, uh, moved back to Vegas, and then then went to uh, then it wasn't a few months later. She and she wound up opening the the you know we were talking about casino stories. Um, she was the uh, when, when she moved back to Vegas, they were opening up the Hard Rock Hotel, and they hired her as the concierge. So, talk about I'll give I'll give my wife Beth props on this casino story. So, uh, so she was the concierge when Hard Rock opened, and she had you know con- for those of you guys who don't know concierge concierge you know when somebody calls down, hey, I need you know can you get me tickets to a show? You know can you can you grab me something from the gift shop? What you know whatever it is, you basically do so. She had, this is during the time of Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson. Oh, nice. So they were staying at the hotel and she got a call from Tommy Lee because uh, they were on her assumed <laughs> name, but she knows she knew who it yeah, was. Yeah. She, and Tommy Lee asked for a bottle of KY. I, I was just saying, I knew it. <laughs> and I knew and it. swear to God, swear to God. So she had to, she had to get a, get a bo- bottle of KY and, and just run, run it, run it, up, like, run, it up the, run it up to the room. Uh, Dude, yeah. I didn't know you could ask for that at a hotel concierge you're a vip oh, wow. vegas anything goes right yeah but that, that, that's, that's a true that story time. that's a true story my yeah my, my wife back in the day mm. so i don't that's only cool. have the good casino story she's got she one too. yeah i'm sure it. she does yeah yep. as a concierge she must have a million <laughs> yeah. so that was yeah that was right at opening too she opened it she opened up the hard rock hotel back then oh, nice. so, so you guys live in a couple of different states with each other yeah yeah and then then we <laughs> then we moved then i got promoted we went to, out to kansas city for three years and uh then uh, we got i got we got married in 98 and uh the, it wasn't a month after we got married and um they wind up closing the casino and transferred me out to Philadelphia, Mississippi. Now, Philadelphia, Mississippi, for those who don't know, uh, especially at the time, that was 1990, 1998, um, there was nothing there. I mean, there, you had to go 45 minutes just to go to a, 
a Applebee's. So that made your body even stronger. Yeah, yeah. I told, I, I, I joke with it. I said, hey, you remember that for better or for worse thing that the that the preacher said? <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to Philadelphia, Mississippi. So I bought the house sight unseen. Uh, she never saw it. It, it. I bought the house. Uh, it was a beautiful house. I mean, one hundred twenty-five thousand. Oh wow! On a beautiful hat on a lake and everything, uh, but it was nice. So but you I guys were doing quarantine before COVID. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The whole town was, was quarantined, but it, it was a good time though. I'm sure like you, yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a good time. She hated, like she hated living there because yeah. it was in the middle of nowhere. You know, I can never do that, but, uh, never do that. but, the, but she was hired on, they hired her on as a, as a, as a trainer. So she would, she would be a, a corporate trainer. So she would train people in customer service or whatever the things that she did. So, um, so she enjoyed it, but, uh, for as much as she could. And then we got moved to Tunica, Mississippi, uh, moved there and um, lived out there for a while. And she was a trainer. They just transferred her. And that's where the boys were. The boys were actually born in Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh -huh. They were born in, in uh, yeah, in, in uh, 20, 22, are they 2002. Fans? What's that? Yeah, are they, they are. Are they really? Yeah, oh. they like Memphis. They, they root for Memphis hey. because they were born there. Of course, they yeah. Like and the, they got John Moran now, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> They went through the struggle. Now they got a good team. Now they got a good team. But uh, what was your favorite place to live? I really like Kansas City. You talk about a place where it has everything. They really have everything. They got the football is is beyond words. I mean, Arrowhead Stadium. There's nothing like seeing a game at Arrowhead you, Stadium. You've been to Arrowhead? Oh yeah, yeah, a few times. I've always heard the, the aura, but I didn't, didn't know if it was all. Like, it is the loudest stadium That's by, what it is, the by loudest, four. Right? It's the loudest stadium. Has a world record, I think, too. Um, what makes it? I mean, I'm sorry. I'm kind of like a little. It's the fans. The fans are, are, are nuts. They're nuts, crazy for their team. The the whole city on Friday would wear red, like it, like if you work in a bank or you work anywhere, you wore red for the Chiefs. So it it, it is an unbelievable passion they have. I, you know, like Gillette Stadium is nothing compared to. It's in the middle of nowhere whoa, too. Whoa, man! Whoa! I'm, I'm, I'm telling the truth. Fans. I'm telling the truth. I'm hey. not a Patriot fan, but you don't know how people get. <laughs> hey. oh. it's, it's in the middle of nowhere, kind of too. But like, I mean, it, it was, but yeah. I, Are I you like a closet uh, Chiefs fan? What's that? Yeah, I like the Chiefs. I root for the Chiefs. I do. So I do root for the Chiefs. What's that? Yeah, I was happy with them. Absolutely. But, you know, I was rooting for Brady and the Bucks <laughs> when they played the Chiefs the following year. But, hey, but, got, uh, you but, got best of both sides then. Yeah. The Chiefs win and then you got the Bucks. But, the, but the Kansas City had everything. They had great restaurants. They had, I mean, the people were super nice. Midwestern really nice, people, yeah. good values. I mean, always super, super nice. It was a good nightlife too. What's that? They have a good night. Yeah, they did actually downtown. Uh, they had uh, what's oh god, what was it? Uh, the plaza, the plaza they call it, and you know all sh bars, restaurants, and, and uh, yeah, it was awesome. It, I mean, they it literally had everything, and and uh, it was super. Oh. I love living there. I've never thought about that being like a place to visit mm -hmm. in my head. Like, what I Kansas wanna, City? Yeah, yeah. Just, just I've never thought about that. Yeah, it's a cool place. It's a cool place to, to do a road trip to see a Chiefs game. I definitely want to check out yeah. a Chiefs game. Mm -hmm. You'll be blown away by it. Mm. Blown away. Mm. Gotta check it out. Yeah. Not for sure. Um, yeah, so um, so after that, I mean, so do you think that, that, so I'm just curious about like, hearing like a love story. So was that, that what made you think? Like, and she's the one, like she's riding with me for whatever. And well, we knew, we, we, well, we started dating in our freshman year at college. So I, I met her, she lived on my floor freshman year. So, so she was literally like, four or five doors down to me. We met like the second day of college. But. Oh, nice. Do you remember what the, your pickup line was? <laughs> she'll tell you, she'll tell you what my pickup line was. And I, and I still didn't Oops. think it was a pickup line, but she said, I, I said, 
hey, I, let's, can, will you come with me to the bookstore? My girlfriend is about your size. So will you come with me to the bookstore? I want to get some. <laughs> yeah. that, that was and, and she, th- she thought it was a pickup line. I, I, it was the truth. I was just, I, I was, but she thought it was a pickup line and it worked. But she'll, she'll always say, tell you that story. That was the worst pickup line. But whatever. It worked. We've been married almost, almost 24 years. It's so. not the worst. It worked. Yeah. It's the best pickup line. Exactly. I guess it was. Then. I should take credit for it and stop denying it. Yeah, right? <laughs> Twins, take some notes. Take some notes. <laughs> All right, so so what advice do you have for for someone who's uh for a single man looking for a lady? <laughs> oh man, I got to go back in the memory banks. This is a long <laughs> long time ago. Are you kidding, Jake? Uh, man, just be true to yourself. Just be be, be yourself, man. How about That's someone it. who's scared of love? I'm not talking about me. <laughs> scared of it? Uh, you get you got to put yourself out there. You know, you know if if the right person is the right person, you know you'll mesh and 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 that connection will be there in my opinion. You know, you just got, you can't be afraid. You got to be, you got to put yourself out there. If you get hurt, you get hurt, you know, but if you put yourself out there and you find the right person, then it's the best thing ever. So for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude, that kind of applies to like everything I feel like in life, like business, everything you got to like put yourself out there. You might fail, but if not, you're going to be on the other side of it where it's successful and you're having a good time and you you'll always get experience. You'll always learn from it. No, for sure. For sure. Yep. I mean, um, was there like a time where, where was like your, your moment in life where you were scared to take uh, the next step and you did and it was completely worth it and changed who you are, you think, like you changed like your life trajectory and put you on this path you are now? Well, I, I well, you know, going back. Tom, we heard about you. We know you just weren't mm. a one chick man. We, we knew you were out <laughs> in the streets, Tom. No? Well, I know you paint this pretty picture. Back in the day. <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, but no, it's, it's you know, I, I think taking different steps, like having the, the balls to move out to Vegas, not knowing anybody. And, and you know, that changed your life's tremendously if i would have stuck around here you know i i I laugh and i say tell my buddy stewie uh my best friend who i say you know if i would have stayed here you know i probably would have been successful i probably would have bought real estate at the right time instead of the wrong time like i did you know what i mean but i got a whole life experiences that i have you know in the casino business and you know that's um, a beautiful thing too yeah it's you know i've lived life pretty good so i'm happy with 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 my choices in life do you think that those like instilled values in you where like made you go through those struggles and it wasn't as easy as you thought it was probably going to be oh it was hard it was it was hard i mean even out living out in vegas you know when when beth you know moved moved back to florida you know i had i had roommates and stuff people i worked with you know i you know it was uh it was a struggle i mean i struggled i wasn't making much money you know, back then I was making $75 a day. You Are know? you thinking like, damn, this was Nothing. the wrong decision. Like, I've, were you ever like scared and like, I'm going to go back home? Um, no, I was determined to make it. I was determined to make it in the casino business. I wanted to be a boss. I wanted to be a shift manager. <laughs> um, and I was, you know, I, fortunately I was college educated. A lot, a lot of those guys aren't yeah. in, th- in those positions. But, you know, looking back at it, you know, I wasn't going to let myself fail. I was going to, I wanted to, you know, and they gave me, they literally, I was 22, 20, 23 years old, and I was what they call a relief casino shift manager. So I was running the casino at 23 years old. Granted, it was a small casino. Still. Yeah. But I was still, when, when they put me in charge of it, you know, the guy, Bill Boyd, who, who uh, was the CEO of Boyd Gaming Corporation, knew me. He knew what I was doing. They entrusted me at 23 years old to run a casino. 
in the, in the so middle of the night. You're feeling accomplished, like yeah. I, I was like, here. yeah, exactly. I mean, granted, I wasn't making much money, but I was getting gaining a ton of experience at the time. Are you doing it for yourself or to prove people wrong? Like people kind of like, both, because I wasn't going to come back unsuccessful. Like like that was that wasn't even an option for me. I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna run back home because you know I I wasn't making enough money or I wasn't you know where I was at. I was gonna I was determined to. To be successful in the casino business. And you're saying like your parents were like, oh, why did you do that? It was kind of like prove your parents wrong, prove your friends back home wrong. Yeah, I'm, I ha- doing, I'm I doing this. To, yeah, exactly. And, and I think that, uh, you know, that drove me. It did. It drove me to to learn, you know, learn every... I used to learn all the other games on my breaks. I used to come in on my days off and learn and learn other casino games. I, I learned how, about the sports book. I took... I went to Community College of Southern Nevada, not only to deal, but I took other classes, casino management classes. I learned... A sports book from Roxy Roxborough, which was the guy that used to set the lines for Vegas back in the day. Um, I wanted to learn the other aspects of the so I could run a casino someday and be a, a general manager. So you're going full in. You're getting yeah. every aspect you possibly can. Yeah. It's just like learning. Like a football I was player, on the trajectory to, to be a general manager. I was on the trajectory, and then um, once the twins were born, and my life changed, my philosophy changed. I wanted to move back to Rhode Island. Uh, for I'd be, them. For them, yeah, I, I was get home at six a.m. and they would be getting up at six a.m. and uh, you know I, I could never have we talked about coaching and, and those I, I could never do what I did and be in the casino business. I had to choose, and I chose my family and 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 be a dad as chose opposed to yeah because you're, in the casino business you're working when everybody else is off, so you're working nice weekends, holidays, Christmas, exactly, Thanksgiving, yeah. you know, and I could I would have never had time to 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 do what I did, uh, sure, uh, for the boys. So were you, So that's another so that's another chapter in your life, pretty much. So that being said, did you know, like, I'm assuming you did not know there were going to be twins coming out. When you heard that news, you're <laughs> like, wow, I was expecting one, here's two. How did that change like, your mindset on that? Well, put it this way. Is that so, what- so we're in, you know, my wife's, uh, we're at the doctor's appointment. She's getting the ultrasound, right? And the, t- the, the technician, you know, is, is going, I'm looking at the screen. She's looking. She's like, oh. She's like, oh. That one looks good. And so does that one. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, one of my wife's best friends had twins. So she kind of knew what to look for. And my wife goes, uh, that's two. You're talking two? She's like, yeah. And I, and I was like, and I was scared to have one. Let alone two. <laughs> And I remember my, my reaction. I looked, I looked down. I looked up. I said, God, you have such a sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> you were the original uh, Josh, um, Gordon Hayward. Do you see that video when the, it comes out with uh, it's a girl? And he's like, oh, great, another girl. He, like, he wasn't happy, but he had to act like he was happy. He was like, oh, no. This is not what I wanted. That's that go through like, your mind. You're like, wow. Like, yeah. so you're scared for one. I'm now scared for one. Two, now like, two. I was, I'm an only child, so... I, I, I didn't have a brother. I didn't have siblings. So I, I, I didn't, uh, you know, I wasn't prepared, you know, mentally, but it all worked out in the end. It was awesome. It was a blessing. Yes. Total blessing. Love my two, my two dudes. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, would have been, you still would have changed even if it was one, you still would have come back to Rhode Island regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I chose, chose, chose family over a career. Oh, for sure. So for I sure. just decided to. Wait, so you just got up and left and did you have like a backup plan at that point? Well, Before I, we get to the next chapter, <laughs> this is a segue to the next chapter. Oh, oh hold on. The oh, next chapter do a shot. Yeah, why not? 
Cheers. 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 Salute. Cheers on camera. Salute. Salute for those Italians out there. Here we go. So the Ooh. next chapter of Tom's life. Here we are. Getting into it. Parenting. Parenting. Yeah. G likes this topic. I like this topic. I love hearing about this. Do you want to lead off? you have a question on you? Yeah, I, I actually do have a question. Um. So, so, so the boys, they get along, obviously, right? They get along great. Yeah. The best friends. Do you... Would you ever stop them from making the same choices you you made? Would I stop them? No, I, I would just advise them. I'd say, you know, they're their own men and they need to make their own decisions. You know, I'd advise them, you know, basically the pros and cons of something. And then it's up to them. It's their lives. So right. just like whatever school they wanted to choose, whatever football program they wanted to choose, I lay out the facts and let them choose. So you're not kind of like a helicopter parent. You're just mm -hmm. kind of like... Hey, this is your life. Live it. I'm going to give you my input. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because yeah. at the end of the day, it's their lives they're living. So it's their decisions that they make. So. Right. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I, I completely agree with that, but I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little girl. I got I to gotta protect her from, from these boys. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I, like, I, I have. And, that's, and my wife is the protector. And, and I'm the realist. So I, I let them, you know, I, I, I want to give them guidance but I want them to live their lives and make their decisions. Make their mistakes. They got to make mistakes. Absolutely. Because that's, that's how you learn from it, mm -hmm. you know? How do you, I mean, you know, not every family has open communication. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming right now there's open communication. Um, how, that there is, how oh, do yeah. you get that point where there is open communication? You feel you become a best friend and a parent at the same time. How do you get them to feel comfortable to open up to you and feel they can tell you anything? Well, I think my wife did a great job and and i think i did too um just being straight up with them all the time we'll tell them exactly <laughs> we don't hide stuff you know what i mean um we want them to know the truths in life and and if it's good bad or indifferent you know um like they went to spring break uh, you know two weeks ago in fall lauderdale you know go tear it up go have fun yeah you know um not being oh don't drink don't do that no Go, go tear it up. Go have a good time. We did the same things. We'd be hypocrites if we told you anything different. So, <laughs> you know, just we, we want to be true to them and, and uh, you know, have an open relationship. They can talk to me about anything. I can talk to them about anything. We feel very comfortable as a family. And they've, uh, you know, opened up to my wife. They opened up to me. And, and uh, that's the relationship that we have with them. And, and hopefully, you know, they make good decisions and, you know, learn from what we tell them. But... Ultimately, it's their decision. So yeah, it's their, their life. life now. Yeah, you did yep. what you had to do. Now it's, it's on them. Obviously, you're, you're yep. a little backup too. Yeah, in case they need it. But well, absolutely, we're always there for them. So no matter them. what, no matter how old they are, it's like my father's still there for me. Exactly. <laughs> you never stop parenting. Right? Still, yeah, he's never always there for, there for me. So so it's all good. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. I mean, sometimes you, know, I feel like so you never had like a a moment where you were too involved and you felt like you're overstepping, like being. You said that you, you let them make their own decisions. Mm -hmm. Is there ever a time where you got to step in? You're like, oh, okay, you're not old enough for this. I am making this decision for you. Um, I can't think of it like a specific incident, but you I'm know, sure there is. I'm sure, but I'm like sure nothing there is. like too like detrimental. No, it's, it's like nothing their, that's been like their growth. too overbearing about about anything. You know, uh, you know, finances. You know, I always want to instill instill the value of money in them at, at an early age. You know, Nick is a finance major at Stonehill. And Tom's a business management uh, major, like I was at Roger Williams. But you know, instilling them about money and, and to understand it, and they have great worth ethics. Like, oh, for sure. Like Nick, he'll you know he he's a full time football player, 
It's like, which is like a full time job 100%. already in college. Like Friday night, he door dashed up, up, up in Brockton, up in Sto- in uh, in Easton over there to make more money because he spent a lot at, on spring break. So he's got to, he knows he's got to, you know, go back and earn it. So Good he for him. worked a couple hours, you know, made whatever seventy bucks or whatever it is, but because he's got to start replenishing, <laughs> replenishing his, Absolutely. you know, what he spent in it. You know, I love that because it's like, you know you're not sitting on your ass. You're, you're going out and you're hustling, you're making money, you're, 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 you're doing things in life to, you're not just waiting for mommy or daddy to give it to you. You're hustling to make, to make it. And no, for sure. And do yep. you think that they see the values that like, they, I'm assuming they know your story about going to Vegas and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They do know you think that like, all right, you know, if our dad did it, we can do it too. And yeah. like, I feel like a lot of people, you know, I, I, growing up in inner city, sometimes you don't have those, parents where you're seeing someone like you doing that mm-hmm. and that's definitely something where it's like you know it's inspiring and if i see my dad doing it why can i do it and that's right. great where like you're putting like you didn't even know back in the day courage, but you're but putting that courage, courage into your right. kids knowing your story uh, I, yeah i've always tried to you know they know my story and they know the chances i've taken and you know it's all it's come with a cost i mean granted when i moved back in 2000 and three, when they were only one years old, I had to live with my parents for two years because I couldn't afford. Because when I changed careers, I was making a heck of a lot less than I did in the casino business. I had to sacrifice for a couple of years. I bought, you know, in 2005, when we finally bought the house we're living in now, you know, I bought it at the top of the housing bubble. You know, I, those are things that financially set me back. But, but I'll never, if, if I would have just stayed in Rhode Island my whole life, you know, I would, I, maybe I would have been financially better, but I would have never had the experiences that I had. You know, I don't regret anything. Yeah, but that could have uh, changed how your kids viewed you as well. I mean, yeah, now they're viewing you as. I didn't take the safe was, route. Yeah. In other words, I, I, I took the riskier route. Yeah, you hell know? yeah. And, uh, and you know, it, it comes with some downside too. You know, it's not all all pleasant. You know, nothing great is. stories. Yeah, you know, right. nothing, but, nothing ever. Yeah, but uh, but no, it's all good. No, that's, that's don't cool. regret. Don't no regrets. No regrets. No, no regrets at all. You know. Yeah, so um, some more fun times. You were a DJ too. We have to get into that. <laughs> we got to DJ my uh, my wedding. That's never gonna happen. <laughs> we'll Don't get say you. never. Never we'll, say never. We'll get you there, bro. Don't worry. All right, we, well, you can DJ G's wedding. <laughs> I'm retired hey, now, yeah. but yeah, I was a DJ. I uh, <laughs> in, in high school, I uh, I I um, was a DJ. I, I I had a guy that that taught me the business um, in college. I started Rocksteady uh, Music for All Occasions. Um, it was mobile DJ, and I also um, w- I subcontracted for In the Mix. Back in the day, it was Kicks 106's mobile uh, endorsed, <laughs> so I, I did uh, I subcontracted for them as well too, and and I did DJed for many years. I did all weddings, proms. I did at Roger Williams. I did their Snowball, and did oh, did a bunch of stuff. And, and uh, at the end. At the end, I sold all my equipment and stuff to the to the school, and that's the money I used to go out to Vegas with. <laughs> oh, nice! So yeah, DJ, that was a lot of fun. DJing was fun. I enjoyed that. Did you have the vinyl or you re- vinyl? Vinyl. Oh yeah, I mixed. Yeah, I had the mix. I actually mixed and, and did, know, did you? the turntables we back SL twelve hundred techniques. We gotta bring this over here. So you can- <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's all I know because you came over and you're like, wow, you have the audio tech and like that's good. And I'm yes, like, yeah. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> that's old school. Yeah, I some, <laughs> My I some, days. Yeah. I did some hardcore research. I'm like, all right, this is the, this is the best one. Then when you came over and you were like, wow, this is legit. Validated. Like, other cousins who's DJ. He's like, sure. seen. He's like, yo, you got you got this is legit right here. Like, that's all right. right. 
Jeff and Tom both approved. Yep. I'm good. I'm good. Oh, uh, yeah. The big mix was was uh, back in the day doing You Can't Touch Us by MC Hammer and Super Freak by Rick James. And when you when you, when you you had them both uh, RPMs going at the same time, you should go, be able to go back and forth, back and forth. And because uh, oh, so it had the exact uh, uh, beats per minute on there. So you used to go back and forth. And that was my big mix. That was my jam. That was my jam. That's when the girls were twerking. <laughs> yeah, twerking yeah before the term was even known. And Tom's yeah. like, yo, let's get it. DJ Tom on the beat. Look at the girls twerking all over those. Yo, it's DJ Tom. Big D. Oh, big D. I'm a big T. Big oh. T, oh, the, 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 the back, back in the day, I remember I was doing uh, Lincoln High School's junior prom. I think it was at, uh, what was that? What? Um, at uh, uh, Quinesset. Yeah, yeah. I, I had my uh, prom there actually. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and and back in the day, you know, Miso Horny had a, a clean version <laughs> and a nasty version. Oh, you put the wrong one on? No, I oh. didn't put. I didn't put. The, I put, I had the clean version on, but the kids were yelling the nasty version. <laughs> so, the, like the the administration came come up to me and like the chaperones came up to me and said, "Don't stop playing." I'm like, I didn't play. The kids are singing the other version, <laughs> not the nasty version. I played the clean version, but uh, but yeah, it was it was. And crazy. they're like, "Hey, DJ T is the best. Keep <laughs> yeah. rolling." Oh God, funny stuff. That no, nah, DJ was fun. It was a lot of fun. Before there was DJ Pauly D, there was DJ Tommy C. Oh, Tommy C. So, hey. just, to, just to keep the record straight. You had the original blowout. <laughs> yeah, I did. Oh, man. Did you really? No, I didn't have oh, it. Not like this. Are you kidding me? Hey, but you have a good set of hair on you. You probably yeah. had... You had, what was your you had the same hairstyle always or did you have no 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 I had it was, went to the side yeah yeah I was a, yeah, was a mess <laughs> I, I don't want to show my uh, my high school photo I did you get some it. braids in Cancun spring break? no I didn't get braids box, no. <laughs> like Michael Scott with the one braid Michael Scott <laughs> no. oh god oh man um, yes, that was your best uh, DJ story do you have any good ones oh that, oh DJ story oh, oh you gotta have a uh, I, nothing, nothing that I can say on uh, oh. on air. Right, you got <laughs> to tell me one. I, not um, like now, you're at a DJ, right? You're at a party. You go out to a DJ. I always wonder what the DJ, DJ's mindset is. You're like, hey, can you play uh, Drake's new song? And they're always like, yeah, I got you. They never play it. So as a DJ, are you, you like, got you got you got you got you got tip yeah on, on the low yeah is that what it is that's what it is like, you, want, you want a song played you know come on man play D, uh play Drake's new I, song I gotta tell you DJs nowadays are they're useless uh, uh, because they, there's no lot you can pull up on your phone I used to have to go and buy the 12 inch vinyls I used to have to buy the CDs back in the day. You used to have to inventory. Now, oh, let me let me just throw on friggin' iTunes or whatever and, and play. Like I can like play it and like go go eat and something like that. Oh, 100%. Back in the day, you have to stand there, play the music, you know, ha you know, mix it. Nowadays, it, you know, they have the laptops and they have everything. I mean, there's like no art to it. Back in my day, you know, there was art to it. You uh -huh. had to be able to mix. You had to be able to you know have a personality. You had to be able to. You, you can't just stand there and. And pull up a song. You got to go to the store and buy it, and make sure you had it. Yeah, you know, yeah. it, it's totally different than what it is now. Man, I, I would, if I was a DJ now, it'd be so simple, so easy. Oh yeah. I remember yeah. I went to um, I went to New Orleans once with uh, with Effie, and uh, I remember I went out one night and um, and and the scene over there, what was Bourbon Street? Bourbon Street. Yeah. Bourbon Street. We were on Bourbon Street, 
And I was just like looking for a club, and I hear Spanish music somewhere. And Spanish, the, the scene wasn't like Spanish scene at that point wasn't big. In so New Orleans, it wasn't that big at all. No, so mm-hmm. I was like, all right. So I hear, I was like, oh shit, call my ear. Let me let me go scheme over there, you know, because obviously I know dance Spanish music. So I was like, all right, mm-hmm. let's go do it. So I go, and like I'm just hanging out, and some the DJ comes. He's like, oh, you Spanish? I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, where you from? I'm like, oh, I'm Colombian. I was like, he's like, oh, so like he's talking me up. He's like, all right, cool. So he he invites me on stage, and he gives me a shout out. And he's like, oh, let's give it up for my Colombian boy, my friend. I was like, and everyone's like cheering, like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, all right, cool. And then he's like, he turns to me like, all right, get the fuck off my stage. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what the fuck? I'm walking down all pissed, but then everyone's like high-fiving me like, dude, you're the man. I was like, you don't know me. Like, what the fuck? Why don't I go in the back room, though? <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Yeah. Oh, man. Crazy DA stories. But no, it's all Back good. in the day, though, we're like, I feel like you were the man of the party, though. You were probably like, oh, when you're packing up, everyone's like, hey, DJ Tommy C, want to come back to the party? Was that yeah. was that your um, DJ name, Tommy C? Yeah, everybody, my friends call me Tommy C. Okay. Yeah, in, in high school and stuff oh, nice. and, and everything. Yeah, so that was... Yeah, that was my that was my kind of DJ name yeah. too. Yeah, so nice. you were the man of the party. Was it like that back in the yeah, day? Yeah, yeah, you had to you had to be because you're the MC at, at events and stuff like that. You had to have a personality and turn it on. And yeah, absolutely. So mm-hmm. what was, do you remember your opening line? How'd you get the party started? Uh, well, it depends what what if it was a wedding, it'd be different <laughs> than it would be a high school right, prom. If you're it's at G's wedding. <laughs> How are you getting it started? It's time to dance. What and it gets it gets crazy at my wedding too. Yeah. So how how you starting the party up? Starting the party, I I I I usually turn to the bridesmaids and the groomsmen because they're the ones that's ready to get. And I, I would I would get, hey, what's the biggest? Uh, you know, what's the, what's the the tunes that get you guys going? All right. Yeah. So G, what's the tunes that get you going? Um, some I don't know, man. Some uh, some reggaeton, some some Bad Bunny. It's, it's different thing. nowadays, yeah. but yeah, right, I mean, so that's, with it. I've been retired for many years. All right, so let's open a line, like, all right, so some juvenile, Let, yeah, let's, yeah, let's get let's get the wedding party up, just get this party started, and we're gonna start it off with blah blah blah, you know, whatever whatever music that it was, you mm-hmm. know, that, that they wanted. So, you know, that usually got people up, and uh, you know, I had my dinner music, Kenny G, at dinner time, and once oh, <laughs> once that's that, once once that started, once people were ready to dance, I'd get the uh, get the wedding parties. Uh, you know uh, their response in. because each each wedding was is different. It's different, you know yeah. I mean? You got to cater, so you got to cater to whatever crowd it is and stuff. So uh, yeah, so you get you get the older stuff done at the beginning, and then you get the party stuff going. You know when people are ready to get up and get dancing that, and get down. MC so. Hammer. MC <laughs> Hey, you can't touch this. Is always a, a crowd favorite. <laughs> always. You still hear it nowadays. Every now and then, depends where you yep. go. You'll hear it. Yep. Yeah. Um, I just want to wrap back up. I had a question about like the twins actually. So how mm-hmm. do you deal with like favoritism? You ever like dealt with that? Like, oh, you're picking Tom over Nick, Nick over Tom. They never dealt with that at all. Like, I, I think it must be tough. Like, even like, I'm not sure if G ever had because G has brothers. Mm-hmm. Did you ever get to the point, G, where like you're like, damn, they're I don't feel like I'm the favorite. I feel like he's the favorite. Um, I was the youngest, so I wasn't really thinking about that. I think they were a little older, so I think it's kind of like. A little different, but I I knew where my place was, and I think we all knew where our place was. You know what I mean? I if I wanted something, I knew who I had to turn to and stuff like that. And so you think there's low key favoritism? Yeah, but like as as like kids, you there's a sense of acceptance. Do you know what I mean? Like when you just deal with it your whole life, you're like, all right, uh, he's so I have two brothers, mm-hmm. and um, the oldest is mom's favorite, and the one the middle one is my dad's favorite, and I was just the youngest. There was still some favoritism to me too. Mm-hmm. 
But I I don't know. I just I just wasn't jealous because that was just my life. Do you know what I mean? Like yes, I, I, just, I, I, I got I got to be honest. I I've, I've treated and I can honestly say this. I can I've treated each one, Tom and Nick, completely equal, completely equal. The, they've made it easy for me as a parent because they're both good at football. They're both good students. They're both like they make it easy for me to parent. They really yeah. do. Uh, as far as showing favoritism, I really no. <laughs> I can honestly say no. And that and that's tough as a parent of twins because usually one is maybe a little bit more like you than the other. I mean, Tom has a lot of my traits. Nick has some of my other traits, you know. Uh, and it's you got like, the DJ Tommy C traits. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tom was always the, the type A personality, and Nick would kind of go along, you know. But Nick has, you know, Nick's got game. He's got game. He really does. Hey, and hey, uh, hey Brandon told me. <laughs> you know, and and so did I at a younger age. You know, but uh, but yeah, they, they they both make it easy because they both, you know, I never ha- I never showed any type of favor to them to either one of them. I mean, Tom being the quarterback was, you know, and me as the offensive coordinator as a youth coach, you know, I may have had a little bit more because you know we're communicating more. Yeah, yeah. But Nick was a incredible running back. I got to tell this story. Talk about youth football. I got to tell you, that 2014 season, because this is a, a great story. So that season, we were dominant. We, we just crushed everybody. But the first play of the game, I would call 901 quick pitch. And that was a quick pitch out to Tom. And I ran that play for the first play of every game for seven straight weeks. And he scored a touchdown on the first play, seven straight weeks. Finally, week eight, they stopped it. Yeah. But I called that that play, and he scored a touchdown for seven weeks in a row in the first play of the game. It's just nuts. And he's like, Nick, That's take a back seat. I'm number one the next few weeks. No, it, no. If, if I needed the tough yards, it was Nick. It was Nick. Nick would get those tough yards up the and, middle, you know, as a fullback in, in the you know position that he played. You know, he was the fullback, and Tom was a, more of a halfback uh, that that season. But if I needed a, a, a tough yard, like a yard or two to get a first down, it was I was calling Nick's number. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Yep. We played against them, uh, the Braves. Yeah. Yep. Actually, I played against you three years in a row. The Cardinals were on the Cardinals, then the Braves like two years in a row. Yep. Whip their ass every single time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they were definitely dominant. How about, you got to tell the story about being a ball boy for the Patriots. Ah. We have to touch that real quick since we're talking about football. Yes, yes. 100%. Did you, I not, was, not everybody you, does that. Would you take a little bit of air out of some of those? <laughs> you, a, a funny story. I, I'll, I'll touch on, upon that with, you know, in my ball boy story. So 86-87 season, I was a ball boy for the Patriots. I wore the orange X, worked with the officials on the sidelines. I did training camp at Bryant College. You can't just get to how you got like you're there. How did you even get there, though? So I lived right behind Bryant um, when I grew up in Smithfield. And the guy that moved across the street from me was the strength and conditioning coach of the Patriots. His name was Dean Brittenham. Uh, he was, I think, 85. He st- he got with the Patriots, and that was their Super Bowl year. They went to the went to uh, uh, New Orleans and played the Bears and got crushed. But uh, but I would watch his house for him and stuff. And so finally one day I, I was talking to him I'm like, how does one become a ball boy? Yeah, so I was like, wow. he's like he's like yeah. He said uh, the the equipment manager does that. He's like, you want me to talk to him for you? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm asking. he got he got me an interview with the uh, with the uh, um, the equipment manager. His name was George Luongo. He started with the team in 1960 when it first started. And uh, so he got me an interview. So I went up with my dad and went in the locker room and met him and stuff like that. 
and he was an old Italian guy. And, uh, and it, we hit it off and he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you can do it next year. So and how, eight, how old are you at this point? I was 15 at the time I had the interview, but, um, it was training camp in 86. So I was 16. So I turned, I just turned 16. And, uh, so Bryant being a mile from my house, it was convenient. So I, you know, I worked with the line, you, you were, each ball boy was assigned to a, a positional coach. So mine was the linebackers. So like Andre Tippett, Larry McGrew, um, Johnny Rembrandt, all those guys back in the day, that's who I, I was closest to because I was assigned to Don Chinnick, yeah. who was the who was the linebackers coach. So I became, so I worked with them during during training camp, and then on the uh, on, on once the season started, I would be wore the orange X and went you know uh, worked on the silence. But I went to a few away games too during the preseason oh, stuff. Really? Cool. I went to uh, Minnesota. I went to L.A. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Nice. Went to, went to L.A., uh, Minnesota. I went to the Hall of Fame game back in 86. Uh, we played the Cardinals and stuff, so I got to see the you know VIP of the Hall of Fame and everything. That was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, not, not everyone can say that. Yeah. And then, then I did it in 87, which was the strike year. So that was that was a weird year because it, because the strike happened, and then they had the replacements come in and stuff. But uh, but I was kind of like the head ball boy that, that year. And everything. He's always been the head boss. That's going. I want to overachieve, I guess. I don't know. But, <laughs> hey, uh, Chief, you got to watch out. He's taking over the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I... You know, I did that, and I actually went to Buffalo, uh, a regular season game as well. Heard too. that stadium sucked. Awful. Awful. Which, it's, which one? Buffalo. Buffalo stadiums. Awful. It's oh, terrible. Okay. It, it's a relic. It was. It was like what Schaefer Stadium was. Uh, it was like what Schaefer Stadium yeah. was back in the day, back the old Foxborough Stadium. It was. Matter of fact, I think it's the same designer, the same yeah. architect as well. Too. I'm a big. It's uh, terrible. It's a random life goal. I want to do an accomplishment. I want to go to every football stadium. I've been to a good amount. Mm-hmm. I've never been to that Buffalo one, but I just hear it's the worst. The yeah. worst I've ever been to, Hawaii Stadium. Horrendous. Mm-hmm. The Charger Stadium is pretty bad, too. Or it was. The one in uh, yeah, San, the Diego. One in San Diego. Awful. It was so bad. I, I've, I've been to, well, obviously, Arrowhead, uh, the old Gillette, the new Gillette. Uh, um, new Orleans, I've been to a couple times in Superdome's New Orleans. Superdome's a new one? Superdome. So the games there are so off the charts. So it was before fun. they did the renovations. Oh, okay. It's, uh, so, it it's so much fun. But L.A. Coliseum, obviously, with the, with the Patriots, Minnesota, the old Metrodome. Oh, nice. Uh, and there, I've been to Miami a few times, been to Tampa. I'm a Dallas fan, but Miami Stadium sucks. Yeah. So well, I've, I've been, the last time I was here was before the renovation. I, I haven't been to the renovation, yeah. so it's supposedly nicer now. But yeah. like, dude, come on. <laughs> you guys, I know it's like an advantage, but it should be in a dome. Yeah. It should be in a dome over there. In I Miami, yeah. yeah. Oh, what are you going to do? Why, because of the heat? Yeah. But they use that as advantage. They use like the wayside. They're right in the sun. Yeah. So they're getting beamed on. So, but they host a lot of Super Bowls, though. And like every time it's been a Super Bowl, it's rained. So it's like sucks. Yeah, for for if you're a competitor playing, uh, it does like a guy. Yeah, he beamed on your face like the sun. For the money that you pay for a Super Bowl ticket, uh, yeah. I went to Super Bowl thirty one in New Orleans. So I, when the pa- Patriots played the Packers, oh that's cool. I went to that one and uh, and but well, not uh, cool they lost, but well for you they lost, but still yeah. cool to go though. It was very cool yeah. to go. It was like actually being there. That was crazy, but uh, but yeah, going to these stadiums that is a pretty cool thing to you know bucket list. Yeah, I'm, out, I'm out like sixteen. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's awesome. Because, you know, I've gone to WrestleMania's or Brandon, mm-hmm. and they do it at football stadiums. Yep. So I've done like six just off that. Nice. Then when I go on traveling, I always try to go to like an event 
even if it's not a like a football game, I want to go for like a just an event to go into the arena and just check it out. Well, I'm trying to I'm trying to go to Vegas in January because I told oh, the twins nuts. that I, I told the twins when they turn 21, I'm taking them to Vegas. I got to take <laughs> my old my old town, right? Uh, wait, when's their birthday? January second. Uh so, so we can go with Brandon. We're going to have a big trip. A big so trip. yeah, so I, I told him I want to take it. So I want to coordinate that with a Raiders game. Oh, that'd be sick. Yeah, so be nice. so that'd be that'd be awesome. So hopefully we no, can make that sure. happen. Oh my God, that'd be the show. Yeah, oh, man, that'd be sick. Um, so so you were you were a ball boy. You said something about like when they take the oh they, yeah oh yeah 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 when they take the arrow. Oh, so so I so, got Nick the job and I got him to do it for for, for Brady. He's the one that's pumping the holes for Brady. <laughs> so. When I was a ball boy for him, there was a guy, um, there was a guy, they, they call him Bird, uh, and he was a ball boy when I was a ball boy. Um, I forget what his real name is. Um, if, if, you, if you said it, I would say what it was, but he was one of the guys that was accused of deflating the footballs, and he was there when I was there, a ball really? boy with me. Yeah. And he stayed doing that for that long? and like. Yeah, he, they loved the guy. He drove a beer truck back in the day. You know, they, they absolutely loved him, but Wait, I guess- so that's his full-time job? It was back then, back in the eighties, but uh, I, I, but yeah, uh, they call him Bird because he's that, because he used to be a basketball player and he used to used to be I'll chucking up three pointers. So they they called him Bird, and uh, it wasn't just Skinsky, It was uh, oh god, I forget his name. But anyhow, he was one of the guys that that was accused of potentially, deflating. allegedly deflating the footballs. But yeah, yeah, I knew him. Wow. Yeah. He worked there. Did you still talk to him or no? No, 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 no. no. I, I mean, I'm 30 years out of it. So. Yeah. So, so was that a thing? He was actually taking the air out of the balls, like messing with the PSI? Allegedly. Allegedly, wink, wink. Allegedly. Allegedly. Never proven. Never proven. Right, yeah. Never proven. Still got so. the suspension and everything, huh? Yeah, well, it's, you know, if you <laughs> believe, you can't believe anything you hear. Yeah. <laughs> Fake news. I don't know. Uh-oh. Don't get Tom political. Don't get me here. political. Don't get me political. <laughs> A whole nother subject. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy how like all right. So they'll do that, but just the amount of things they probably don't find out about that, like you know, teams do is probably 100%. just insane. Hundred percent. I mean, it's crazy. Even like, um, who just got suspended for a year? This one's got suspended for a year for smoking. Brandon Crooks. Brandon Cooks. No. No. Uh, Ricky Williams. I mean, oh, he did. Back in the day, you know, a few years ago, but. Oh, no, I had a different topic. Can't recall. But um, being a being a twin football parent, what uh, I was always on silent with you. What were like your favorite plays of the twins in high school? Do you have any like two like top ones that you can yeah. recall that you just like? I think like I was next to you for one of them. You can say it first. I don't know if I'm right or not. Your favorite play, your top two favorite plays of Tom in high school. Top tip two for Nick oh, or three two. or three. God, they had a lot. They're like Angel. They had a million. Yeah. Uh, well, Tom. I mean, just your favorite moment then. If so, if three Tom, my favorite favorite moment. favorite moment was 2018 Super Bowl where he was the uh, MVP of the of the game against LaSalle where they just destroyed him. Oh yeah. Um, that was my favorite game. You know, Tom had three touchdowns. Played, you know, played awesome. Was just, I, I, but the game I, I really liked. That was a great one. But the game I liked was when we played LaSalle at LaSalle that year. Tom had five touchdowns. Yeah. I don't know how many Angel Angel probably had a couple of them. Right, all five of them from that. From <laughs> that, but uh, but Tom uh, Tom never really played with like a ton of emotion. Yeah. But that game, one of the one of the rushing touchdowns he had, he came over to Mangate and just was like like screaming. I was like, 
my God, my kid actually played with, with emotion. He wasn't like business-like and, you know, yeah. doing his thing. And, 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 you know, that game was awesome for him. You know, honest to God, it, it, I was so proud of him. And, but and then the Super Bowl that year. But that same game, you know, on the other side with Nick. Um, when he absolutely <laughs> destroyed that dude on punt return. I don't know what you're going to say. You know, Bro, the, 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 the entire stadium, even with Southside, it was a punt. The kid caught the ball. He is turning around. Nick killed this kid. He the, knocked the mouth, him out. His mouthpiece mouth was flying. flying. <laughs> Bro, the entire stadium. Ooh! Yeah. Like, he hit everybody's stadium. It was so bad. They yeah. suspended him. Yeah, yeah. They he, they threw him out of the game. My my compadre, my my compadres of of uh, Rhode Island Football Officials Association threw out my kid. Um, which it, it was a blindside block. It, technically, it was a blindside block, yeah. but um, but because he he was kind of laid there for like thirty seconds, like lifeless. It looked like almost yeah, looked they bad. they threw him out. They threw Nick out of the game for it. And Anaya um, too. Anaya got suspended. Didn't he? Yeah, that was uh, with the fights and stuff after. Yeah. But but Nick had actually uh, Nate Lucier. He had took him out of the game, and then that was the backup quarterback. He took in, he knocked out two quarterbacks in a state championship game. Nick, they won, they won by like forty. Yeah, that was, that was it. Was nuts. It was Nick was taking kids' lives a lot of the time. Yeah, he. I'll would, never forget the freshman year when he destroyed that kid from Cumberland. Yeah. Oh. oh my God. You just look at their huddle tapes. I mean, both of them are just like yeah. sick. I thought you were gonna say for Tom when he uh, scored that his first touchdown against LaSalle. Was it his first touchdown against LaSalle? What when he was a sophomore? Yeah. Right. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he scored. Yeah, I mean, he threw it to Angel. I mean. Yeah, those, both their first touchdowns. Right? It was both their first touchdowns. Yeah, so I remember yeah. I was next to you, and you were like, oh. like yeah. You, I remember your uh, your Apple Watch said Tom breathe. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> honest to God, it, yeah, yeah, that was that was a great, yeah, because they had played New York, uh, the team in New York, yeah, the week know. before, and then that was that was his first. That was the opening of the stadium there, the new turf, the new oh, scoreboard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was the it was the ten year, like the last ten years of of alumni came back, and Tom was a soft. He was a sophomore. He just yeah. won the job basically, and uh, and and he didn't let the the noise you know bother him. He come out, played great. You know, I'm very proud of him. You no, know, that was that. definitely a, I mean, think about a proud it. parent moment. Yeah, sure. he's a sophomore taking over, you know, for Chris Hindle, you know, Allstate. He's a sophomore. You know, first time a sophomore has started for Croft, I think, ever. Um, you know, for quarterback or for quarterback, for quarterback. Yeah. And um, and I was just so proud of him for winning the job and 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 really, you know, taking taking the, the mantle as, as a starting quarterback for Hendrickson and, you know, excelling for three years, you know. No, for sure. They're proud. Of, very proud of them. Both, both my boys. I'm extremely proud of. You know, and now they're they're doing it at the college level too. So for like sports education, I mean, do you have a specific moment where you're like proud the most, or just like kind of all intertwined? Do you have a like specific moment in general? I mean, like they have a lot of accomplishments, and I'm sure there's more that I don't even know about. I mean, there's something where like you know you do want to shout them out on video, like hey, you know this you're proud of uh, this specific moment or everything that they've done. You know. Proud of them as as football players. I'm even more prouder of them as men. Honestly, um, they're respectful kids. Great, good hearts. You know that's more important than any football accomplishment I can I could ever be. You know, as, as as a parent, you know, you're proud of them as contributors to society. They're faithful. They're they're you know relate, we go to church together when they're home. You know, it, you know they're they're God loving. You know, which Hendrickson oh, was sure. a part of it too as well too. But um, 
But yeah, I mean, I'm a proud of their whole careers. Whatever they've done, they've been successful. Literally anything that they've done, they've been successful. And that's, uh, you know, that's attributed to my wife and, and, and myself, you know, as good parents and, and the support structure there. But, uh, but I can't single out a, a single thing because there's so many little things that accumulate, you know, oh, for sure. uh, on there. They're, they're great kids. Tom and Nick are, pff, Jesus, they're, they're, they're our best, our best accomplishment awesome, you know, in my life. So sure. it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of them, each one of them, you know, oh, for sure. Do you think, um, do you think like all those moments you guys have together means more than anything like materialistic you could give them? Oh God. Yeah. I mean, and, and like I said, you know, going back and, and decisions made, you know, decisions made to leave the casino business to start a new career was for them. It's for them, so I could be a part of their lives, and I could, you know, coach them, and I can be there for them. So, um, you know, so in my new career, you know, new, not new anymore, nineteen years in, but, um, you know, it was I don't no regrets. You know, it's, you know, they become fine young men because I'm part because I was a part of their lives. There's something to be said about you know pe- people having a, a nuclear family of a mother and father support system. You know, with with and, and kids are fortunate if they have that. And especially in today's day and age, it's the nuclear family is very, very important. important. That's crazy because actually we were just talking about that on our previous podcast with G, and uh, I think we're kind of both on the same side. Like you know, we definitely would like the you know the female we'll eventually end up talking to. We would like them to come from like a both parents being in the picture, mm-hmm. and uh, that just I think you know you've agreed that in the past is where. Like the twins are coming from a good background, like you said, like that both family structure, and that says something. Like be with your like your wife and have that both parents mm-hmm. in the picture. You know, it's, it means a lot. You know, it's, this is different coming from like very the opposite background. Very important. It, it it's when you have that, you have a lot better success being a more successful person in life and staying out of trouble and 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 making right choices in life. Absolutely. When you have that support structure yeah. with a mother and father influence. It's it's their first foundation. Mm-hmm. And it's it, to me, it's important, yeah? Especially when, like we were talking about earlier, picking a woman, mm-hmm. you know? And the same thing for a female picking a, pick, picking a man, right? Right. It's it's super important and, you know, it doesn't they don't talk about that as much yep. nowadays, but... Absolutely, it is very important to get both sides and, and to have a father figure and a mother figure, you know, that stability in life, It's uh, it, it helps. A healthy... Father Healthy. and mother figure. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Do you think? Do you think that's like a red flag if they weren't, like, say, Tom or Nick, were going to talk to a female and they didn't have that type of structure in their lives? Are you like kind of talking to them beforehand, like, hey, you should you know watch out, or are you just saying, hey, make your own decisions, be careful? Like, what would you be your, your advice if like that wasn't the case with someone they're gonna speak to? You know what? It's funny because you know when you're talking about. You know them talking about to, to girls and stuff. They they do their own thing. They don't they don't consult mom or dad on that stuff. They've always been like super uncool, like, right? Yeah, like like hands off. Like we got this, yeah. dad. You know, type of thing. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and um, but yeah, it's it's yeah. We've never. Hey, well, if they're listening to this, they can see the tape. They can review it. What would yeah. you say to them if they were going to talk to someone like that? Just make sure that that person is true. They're not fake. They're not fake in their lives. They're not just see through the BS. You know what I mean? Make sure, you know, if you're going to get a girlfriend, make sure she's true. You know, uh, you don't want somebody that's dishonest, that's distrustworthy, that's, that's not, um, not all in for you. And, and, uh, you know, get somebody that's true, you know, even if they're fault, they have faults. We all have faults. We're humans, but yeah, 
but make just make sure that they're they're true to you and you're true to them as a matter of fact true it's got to go both ways for sure yeah so. yeah so you were talking about how you we haven't even touched this um you said your new job so can you get a little bit into about what do you do now yeah. and yeah so the yeah it's not as sexy as the casino business uh <laughs> I, i'm a sales i'm a, a sled uh sales rep for the printer company lexmark uh so it's um which sled stands for state local government and education so I handle um, those type of accounts. My territory is Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island, New York City, and Long Island. So that's what I do. You know, you think, you know, slinging printers, it's more than that these days. It's more software related, uh, which will drive the printer sales and stuff. So I, 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 I do that. I'm in sales. I've been sales for 19 years. So how did you even get into that in the first place? <laughs> My best friend, Mike Stewart. Um, Stu. The Stu oh, man. Yes, man. the Stu man. I saw him last night, too. Uh, he started... Uh, it, he started me in this industry. Um, you know, he got me an interview with with uh, with, with a sales manager, and that's when I moved. When I moved back to Rhode Island, I w worked for his same company. And ironically enough, we work again for the same company because he works for Lexmark now oh, too. Nice. So, so yeah, it's uh, we went from I got him a job at Benny's back in the day. Hey, hey, Benny's, <laughs> Benny's, Benny's, the one on, in, in uh, Greenville, oh, no, no, in Greenville. Way. And uh, I got him a job, and then he got me a job with uh, Icon. It was back in 2003, uh, and then it became like Rico and stuff. And, and, and so, so now I, I work for Lexmark, and I'm selling uh, mostly school. My biggest customers are school districts on Long Island, um, selling them not only copiers and printers, but software that goes along with those things. So oh, that's, nice. that's what I do now. It's not as sexy as the casino industry, running into celebrities or what have you, but <laughs> I sell printers <laughs> with software. So. Basically. Um, yeah, but the sexy part is you're like top salesman. You were saying earlier, though. Yeah, I do pretty good. I do pretty good. I I was uh I was a top in in the top ten percent. I was uh, what they call Diamond Club winner. So I'm supposed to go to Prague and Budapest in Ooh. in uh, in uh, June, but uh, we'll see. With all the no the works. crap going on in in Eastern Europe, uh, it may not happen. So we'll mm. see what happens, but. Maybe maybe they'll go to Cancun. And be the top I, come out. Come out again. I don't care. I I I want a free trip. I don't care where we go. You know, let's go to the Bahamas. I don't care. So you guys always get free trips for like being a top salesman. Yeah, it's like a yearly thing. Yeah, it's a yearly thing. So where have you guys gone in the past? Um, well, that's the first time I've won it. Uh, I actually won it for 2020, but because of the pandemic, it's been pushed and pushed and pushed mm. uh, on there. But I've won it before with my old. Uh, my, with my own company, I went. We went to um, Cancun for one year. Uh, we went. We had a cruise where they rented the entire ship. Oh, wow. and we went to Turks and Caicos and uh, the Keys and stuff, uh, which was fun. I heard Turks and Caicos is really nice. Yeah, it was. It was. We only were there one day because oh. it was. A, it was a port stop. So, so it was. A, oh man, we tore it up. We were. We were <laughs> that was crazy. I, I only remember it from the videos. Because, <laughs> basically, yeah. What were you drinking? Oh God. What wasn't I drinking? Well, you, you know, drinking? we were doing shots and we were doing rums and cokes and whatever you Jello know umbrella shots. drinks they had. I mean, <laughs> we were throwing it all back because it was free. Hey, twins, take notes. Yeah, oh, they've, uh, the twins have I think been there recently. So, so oh, they're yeah. like, actually, that you take notes. Yeah, yeah. Doing it. yeah, it's um, fun. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that's cool. I mean, yeah, I mean, energy. I'm, I'm good right now. Shit. Well, thanks. It was a good time. Do you have anything else? Uh, any final stories for us? <laughs> final stuff. No, no. I think we.
told a few of them. I, I think the ones uh, that I can tell. <laughs> but you probably. know, definitely, I want you. I want to get you back, and you know, maybe get 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 like a, a little political view out of you because I I, know I, I would saying, I would love to talk politics. You're That's my hobby. You're a strong now. hand on that, and I would love hey, to see your perspective got, on that. Like, if you want, those come in like in thirty minutes, yeah. thirty four minutes. No, but I, I feel like that deserves its its own like episode and stuff like that. And, and oh, yeah, from my sure. background, I'd like to see your input a hundred percent. You know, see where you're at, and like with today's day and age, let's let's do something really soon. Yeah, I, I literally watch nowadays um, probably more politics than I do sports anymore. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm really into it. Been into it for a little while because of I think that everybody needs to get educated. Oh, absolutely. every single voter needs to be educated, yeah. and I think you cannot. Watch the mainstream media. I think you need to watch both sides of it and form your own opinion. Abs- oh, no matter absolutely. what side you're on, I yeah. think you need to watch both sides, form an opinion because the media right now is 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 feeding people bullshit. Right you, you, you know what? I'll, I'll be honest with you. Right for like the last five years, I've swayed back and forth, and I'm not the type to just listen to like say NPR, or mm-hmm. CNN, or Fox and stuff like that. I'll listen to everything mm-hmm. and I'll read everything too. And I've just been swaying back and forth, back and forth, and and something that I take into consideration, like something that affects my my real life. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, gas, it certainly does. Like gas prices, like like mm-hmm. literally everything. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like some a lot of people my age they don't do that. They just like uh, policies affect your life exactly. And and whoever's in office or whatever party's in office, their policies affect people's lives. Yeah. They can either make them better. Or they they can make them worse, and 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 you need to be educated and know who to vote for to do that because yeah. nowadays you can't just not like years ago where you just watch TV you know watch NBC or whatever ABC mm-hmm. whatever and and form your opinion you can't now you have to really do what you're doing which is yeah. perfect you want what, listen to both sides Fox CNN you know NBC or whatever and formulate your own opinion because each one of those those stations will have a different spin on the same story. Exactly. It, it's so. It's <laughs> which so, is sad because that's so not sad. what it should be. Exactly, and it's just like, wait. So like, I'll I'll hear something and I'll be like, I'll hear something from here. And I was like, this sounds a little crazy. Let me go over here and, and I'll listen to this. And I'm like, all right, not who's telling the truth, but like who makes more sense, right? Because because a lot of times it's just opinionated. And like, yeah, like the, they they like, throw an opinion or an agenda behind every story, and it's, and I could and it's see, awful. And the thing is, I could see through that. Once your eyes open to yeah. it, and my eyes have over the last few years open to that, mm-hmm. then you could say, when they do a story, I'll be like, "Are you kidding me?" Like, like, like tone it down, like relax, like you're making, like you know what they're making. It's a big so deal one-sided out of. and slanted, exactly. in, the, in the reporting, than what it, what you could, if you were a neutral reporter right. reporting the story itself mm-hmm. and the facts of the story as opposed to trying to sway the audience and report it in such a slant where it makes one side look better than the other exactly. in the story. Exactly. And, and that's why I always, and, and even on my Facebook page, I, I'm like, guys, you got to wa- look at both sides exactly. and form an opinion. Don't let, don't get your news sources from one side anymore. I don't, I don't you like, just can't do it. Yeah, I don't like the guys who are just like one-sided and then just one side. It's just like, Listen, all right, so so I'll entertain the, the conversation, right? But as soon as I hear something that's a little too biased, I'm like, oh, okay, well, we just, you know, we just can't have this conversation if you're just going to be too biased about this shit. So you guys are both open to hearing different sides of the story. Everybody should. Everybody should. You, you Everybody gotta, you got to really look at both sides and form an opinion. That, that's, that's my opinion, no matter what side, whatever your political beliefs are, one way or the other, you know, you're being fed crap 
uh, on depending on what story that what what station you watch, it's slanted. There's always an agenda. So you got to okay, get much both sides. Well, they say this, they say this. Well, I, this side is what much more believable. It makes more sense. So yeah. I'm, I'm gonna form my opinion based on that. Yeah, so. like there's an example. Like uh, I think there was like uh, they're reporting the like like the current war in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what, what it was. And then they cut to a commercial Applebee's. <laughs> it's just like, the fuck are we doing here? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, they just try to make, I don't know. It's just media's fucked up right now. It, it, it is. It is. And it's, uh, it's always an agenda. There's always slanted. It's always, yeah. you know, it, it's awful that it, that that's what it is today. But you got to, every person that's 18 or above need to, needs to get educated on it because it affects everybody's lives. It, Policies it, affects everybody's lives. You know, and I like that you say that 18 and above because if you're younger than 18, like not shut the fuck up, but hey, take it easy. Do you know what I mean? Like you should, <laughs> yeah, we'll save that for another yeah. time. Do you know what I'm saying? We'll save like that I said, that's a, that is a whole other show topic. We'll but, save that for but, another uh, time because I'm sure we could get into it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can be in, the, in between because if I'm being honest, I definitely need to be more knowledgeable on that. As never, like I said off camera before we started, mm-hmm. I just never really got into it. And uh, you guys can definitely school me on why it's more important. And I can be like the the audience that's not into it at all. And there's definitely a huge audience that's not into it that needs to be, and that can help the right people get into office. No, but like, yeah, yeah, but like, there's also value to that, right? You're living your life in a peaceful manner too, yeah, and yeah. you're doing your own thing. And if you don't want to, like, you know, surround yourself. In, in politics like there's value to that you live a little more peacefully than, than other people some people are wind up in it like way too much yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah, there's so, definitely people we know like, there's value to know, that too we know that are definitely way too much into it and i think uh i definitely agree i'm on that side g like where i just don't pay attention to it at all and i'm not even stressed about it at all mm-hmm. maybe i should be but like you said like i'm just living my life i'm doing things where i feel like it makes me feel stress-free and there's some people hold on to things and don't drop it. Like, you know, there's that guy that comes around and it's, oh, God, here we are. We're going <laughs> to talk about politics again. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, I don't want to be that guy mm-hmm. with anything, but especially with politics. You know, that that's a strong topic for a lot of people. And I don't want to rub people off the wrong way. But he's where, still, But that guy is doing that for a reason, right? So either you need to sit down and listen or you need to sit down and educate him. Mm-hmm. It's one or the other. You know, it's... It's a huge thing. It's a huge conversation that, you know. It, it, aff- it affects every single person's life. So that's why I'm saying nowadays you've got to educate yourself. Everybody that votes needs to educate because policies make a difference. <laughs> they make a difference because we all feel it. You like spending 435 for gas? No. no. <laughs> well, it, you know, Wait. policies matter. Absolutely. <laughs> right, you yeah. said it's a whole topic. All right, I get that. That's the whole other podcast. But real mm-hmm. quick, can you explain to me that why did it jump so high up quickly? Because I have no idea. I mean, I'm not going to... What am I going to do? Not pay for gas? I must pay for it. It's a mix of things. It's a mix of... It's supply and demand. Um, Coming out of of, uh, COVID, the demand ramped up. Um, When President Biden took over, he made it a lot tougher for energy companies to drill. He he shut down the Keystone Pipeline. Not that it was flowing yet. It was being built. Um, It would have been online already. Um, So it's, it's... Everything with gas prices is futures. It's the futures. So if... If they think that that the energy companies can drill more and have favorable government regulations, that'll drive the cost down in and of itself um, on there. But if you don't, if you have a, a, an administration that's anti-drilling and anti-fossil fuels, 
you're not going to get as many leases. You're not, it's going to be a lot tougher to drill. It's going to be more expensive to drill. So that's going to drive the price up. Now, yes, the Ukraine war and, and, and the uh, you know, a political geopolitical uh, instability drives up prices as well, too. But when you're trying to get oil from you know, Iran and Venezuela and, and the people in Saudi Arabia, the countries that hate us, it's not, it, it, it doesn't have to be that way. You can make it more favorable to drill in the United States. I'd rather go to Texas and Oklahoma for more energy than go to Iran and Venezuela. You know, it's, you know, that's, it can be done. We we're energy into truly energy independent over a year ago and look at where gas prices were. But there's mm -hmm. other factors as well, too. I look, once again, watching both sides, both sides, it's not all one way. And right. it's not, there's, there's a truth somewhere lies in the middle. Exactly. Of it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not all one way and mm -hmm. it's not all not the other way, but it's a mixture of a few things. Absolutely. I'm sure you guys weren't lying. It's a whole other topic. Whole topic for a podcast. Oh yeah, <laughs> it, it really is. Yeah, yeah. You, you touch on one subject, yeah. you can like go down this rabbit hole. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. That'd yeah. be fun to do. We should do that. We that'd should do. It. I'd to love to come back and talk politics. That'd be, that'd be really fun to do. You live right down the street. Exactly. Right down the street. So yeah. for sure. So um, this is my guy Tom. I mean, do you want to plug your Instagram? Do you want to plug your uh, Facebook or anything? Oh, it's that. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm not a big. I put Instagram you at the bottom guy. of the. I'll yeah, T N Camella. T N Camella. I put you at the bottom. Yeah. Follow my guy. Twins take notes. Got a great <laughs> dad here. Uh, appreciate you coming by. Really, it was a good time. And, Thanks, uh, guys. Yeah, yeah Effie, sure. it was a good time. Pleasure. Follow, subscribe, guys. Follow us on TikTok, Instagram, EG Pot of Thunder. Follow me on Instagram, Explore with F. And uh, yeah. You know, we appreciate all the listens and viewers so far. If you can share, it's really appreciated. Give us that five-star review on Apple and Spotify and every single podcast source. You can find us at. We're on there. YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. Follow. Let's get it.